It's four o'clock on a Monday, and you know what that means, don't you? It's time for another exciting episode of Taxi TV Live. Woohoo! And the guy in the office below me wonders, what the hell do they do up there every Monday? <laughs> this week's starring special guest star, Mr. Steve Barton. Yeah, baby. Woo! And thank you, fake band. Thank you, fake audience. Welcome to the show. Again. I thought I was just here. I know. I made sure not to wear the same shirt today. Um, so Steve and I only got through like a third of what we intended to get through last week. So this week we're going to cover the other two thirds. But before we do, Steve, uh, the short version is Steve is a successful composer who um, works in many genres, could be like acoustic-y stuff, could be acoustic guitar, dobro, as we learned in one of the earliest episodes he was on, um, and, and really excels at doing big orchestral stuff, like stuff you would hear in trailers or film scores. Um, very, very talented man, and uh, he wrote an amazing book called Writing Production Music for TV, The Road to Success. And there he is, looking all badass on the back of the book. That's <laughs> when I was a rock star. Yeah, with his sunglasses on. <laughs> anyway, um, I, I started recommending, how long ago did this book come out? Uh, about a year and a half ago. So I've had people walk up to me, especially at last year's Road Rally, saying, I'm so glad that I bought that book. And I actually got two emails after last week's show from people in order, which, by the way, uh, it was on sale at Amazon last week, which they generally control. And uh, you told me they only had like six copies left or something. You know, first of all, the pricing, nobody can figure out what their rules are and how they price things. Right. Because I think I mentioned last week, the current price at that time was $26. It's yeah. a $30 book. Right. Today, it was it's $22. Really? Yeah. But so, there's only, they only, uh, it said there's only two left. Today. They they only discount. My experience uh, is that they discount um, for holidays or if there's you know if there's like National Songwriter Day, they'll discount mm -hmm. all books on songwriting. But when they see something starting to sell, they will actually discount it to encourage more sales. Oh, I see. Uh, but if I if I sound like I've even figured out that that much of their algorithm, I haven't. Yeah. <laughs> well, even my publisher said we have no idea how they do it. Yeah. How they work things out. Nope. But for those who bought a book, thank you. <laughs> you will be well rewarded, trust me. So we're gonna start out by playing um, just one piece of Steve's music so you can see that he actually does know what he's talking about. And what's the title of this one? Uh, it's called Fairy Tale Romance. This was actually um, a taxi listing that came out not too long ago that they were looking for uh, magical orchestral pieces, sort of a Disney-esque sound. Oh, I remember that one. So they had... Um, references to things like Aladdin and uh, um, Beauty and the Beast, th that kind of stuff. So most of the orchestral wor work I've, I've written in the past few years has really been like trailer oriented. So mm -hmm. it's a hybrid of orchestral and you know big epic sounds. This one is pure orchestral. In epic music, you don't use woodwinds. So this, this has everything, woodwinds and glockenspiel and harps and uh, it's it's really a sweet piece. And, really, uh, you can't use woodwinds in. Well, there's no need for them. Everything is so loud that woodwinds could compete. I burped. Sorry. <laughs> they should call this stuff burp star, not rock star. <laughs> um, 
Really, I would think that you could use like a, a contrabassoon to do um, bramps or something or whatever they call those things. Pop, but possibly, but it would probably be overwhelmed by, by the synth, by, by the low the bass trombones and chimbasi. Oh. You know, you just wouldn't hear them. Yeah. Okay. So. All right, hit it. There we go. It may start out a little quiet, but it it gets louder. It builds and builds and builds. Would also work on a hall Hallmark movie. <laughs> you know, I shut my eyes, not because I was taking a nap, because you would have heard that, <laughs> but I shut my eyes because I'm sitting there going, this sounds so real. Oh, uh, you. you did an incredible job. You guys have probably seen in so many of our listings where it better sound like the real deal. That's what sounding like the real deal sounds like. Um, just uh, That did take an enormous amount of time to, to put together. It. I think I put did it about 20 hours. Somebody asked on the forum, and I was talking about it, uh, probably over a period of eight or nine days. Wow. Because I, I, you know, I don't work full-time writing music, so 
uh, the first day, the first session, I wrote just the thematic material, mm -hmm. just the melodies. Uh, the, the second day, I, I in, in this for this particular piece, normally I'll just write straight to the DAW, just start inputting notes. But because this one is, was, I knew it was going to be a complex piece, I had to write by hand into a, a, a score pad. Okay. You know. Um, what do you write on? For, does piano for stuff like that? Um, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll compose on, on piano and okay. just write the melody. And basically, it's a melody and a, and, and a chord. And, and then I sat down and orchestrated it purely in my head how it was going to lay out, you know, or arrange it by the different sections and then, uh, and then try to figure out how to arrange it so it build and build and build to the big crescendo at the end. Um, and because I, I, I work stri strictly on paper, by the time I started inputting the stuff, um, I probably ended up writing almost half of it, rewriting um, the the arrangements. Because, for example, in one section, I wanted it to build. I wanted it to increase some momentum and some energy. So I added this uh, syncopated string um, harmonic part with with uh, um, supported by a snare drum. Well, it just sounded horrible. So, <laughs> <laughs> but at least you knew that. See, that that's yeah, a so big part of the, the. I had to wipe, you know, scratch that and start over. Um, and so it was a lot of trial and error, and probably the, the biggest amount of time was actually inputting the MIDI data and manipulating it with controller data so it, it sounds like a real instrument. Let's spend a minute talking about that and then get back to the list, but um, I have always contended, and I've learned this from our most accomplished orchestral members, which is you can make a better product, better piece of music, by using a $200 library, if you know what you're doing with articulations and such, and manipulating, um, you know, knowing knowing how a real orchestra would bow something or how real mm -hmm. horn players would blow, uh, and, and manipulating a $200 orchestra library to sound that way versus having a you know, multi-thousand dollar one where you just do a triad and you know make a, a chord of strings like exactly well the way you would play on a piano like a three or four note left hand chord and playing a melody you, you really can't do that in a like in a string pad because that's not how you would orchestrate strings um, I mean that kind of close voicing really wouldn't work you know so each section um, each uh, for example, in the strings, it's it's five-part harmony. Mm -hmm. First violin, second violins, viola, cello, bass. Those are individual parts. They're individual lines. Right. You can't play the cello part low down or low on the neck of a violin and have it sound like anything. Yeah. So each individual part has to sound like something. Okay. You know, it, it, I'm not sure how to explain this, but it... It has to become something. So it's not just a stagnant chord where you're just holding down uh, a whole note for four measures. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, uh, the biggest part of this is, is if you're writing orchestral music, to understand the instrumentation um, of, of woodwinds and brass and strings and percussion, flute and piano and And the bowing of strings and the velocity. Like... It, the same note, I mean, not in the same octave, obviously, but the same note bowed on a, a cello is going to be very different from the same note 
uh, bowed on a violin. It, it's Completely. Just yeah, just different velocity, different... Strings are the most versatile section in the orchestra, and there are so many different articulations they can play. And I even took up violin three, three years ago, so I'd have a, a better understanding of the instrument. It's one thing to read about it in books and watch videos and stuff, and unless you're actually doing it and, and learning the techniques of, you know, the bowing, and mm -hmm. uh, it, it's fascinating. And I think that's, cool. it's helped my writing overall. Um, people who have played in orchestras tell me that even if they played in high school band or in college or something, and they tell me that just having sat there and knowing that this section is to your left, this section is to your right, this section's behind you, these guys would be in front of you and being able to kind of see the footprint of an orchestra mm -hmm. in your mind's eye. So when you're mixing and panning things and knowing what should sound closer, what should sound farther, all that stuff comes into play to make it sound real. So um, well, daunting. Let me jump ahead because there was okay. one thing that uh, it was a little later on in this list that, I mean, this applies to, and that is... Um, under composing. So these these are tips for how to improve your your compositional skills and in, in, in getting quality recordings. So let let's talk about um, since we're on or orchestral music. Okay. Um, I recommend doing MIDI mockups from professional scores. Okay, so that means Wow. That's a lot of work. So you can get a score to a Beethoven symphony or a, a, a from the Rite of Spring from Stravinsky, or you can they even sell um, contemporary film scores. Like there's a lot of John Williams work available. So there's a, a few reasons to do this. One is it helps you master your instruments, your virtual instruments in your DAW. So if you can input all the notes in that score and tweak them until they sound just like the original recording. That's and that's how you learn how to do this stuff. You know, you find out do do I have a do I have a staccato flute patch? You know, if I don't, then I I that's I have a hole in my in my my library. I need to you know right an arrow missing from your quiver, as it were. Exactly. Um, so it helps you master the digital libraries. Um, it also reveals um, both compositional and orchestration techniques by looking at at the masters how did they voice these instruments and it's one thing to because uh, I read score books all the time and it's, you know you look at them and analyze them and but until you I think enter them and play them by yourself on the keyboard and you start seeing how these things work and then you can isolate just the string section or just the brass section and you can kinda really hear what what they're doing so I, I recommend that a lot now on the non-orchestral side I recommend taking, um, say, if, even if you're doing like rock music or something, transcribe and try to reproduce that song exactly as it's heard. Okay. This is big boy stuff you're talking about. Uh, and most people, many people, not, yeah, many people will think, oh my gosh, it just sounds like too much work. I'm going to be creative and do things my own way. Okay. Which sounds like to me kind of a cop out in the easier way because what you're talking about is actually mastering a skill set and that takes well this work. is this is like going to school right i mean if you want to get good this is a way to do it quickly mm. back in the early days when i was in a, a top 40 band um, my job was to write charts for all all the songs and i either had to either i'd buy the sheet music 
Uh, and in those days, you know, it was kind of expensive and I wasn't making a lot of money. So I, I would either buy a 45 or the cassette and, and transcribe it myself. Wow. Okay, so it did a number of things. It improved my hearing, my, my uh, ability to hear music. And, and right, he's not talking about can he hear 20K, he's talking about... Well, that's gone. <laughs> right. um, he's talking about uh, the on-the-fly analysis. Of... Well, can you, can you hear a melody and can you write it down in whatever format, whether it's music notation or... Do you know Richard Emmett, taxi member? Oh, yeah. Okay, you guys must get along famously. Oh, he's, uh, <laughs> Richard's wonderful and, and a fabulous composer. Yeah. Um, Anyway, didn't mean to. But yeah, you. so it improves improves your your uh, ability to to hear things and extract them. You know, I mean, can you hear a chord and and can you tell me if it's a major chord or a minor chord? Can you tell me if it's a dominant seventh chord? So not only will you learn about music and arranging, you'll learn about song structure, and then if you can if you can try to record these, you don't have to do the whole song. Do a verse and a chorus. Can you recreate that song? And emulate it so when a listing comes along for a song that sounds like the Doobie Brothers mm -hmm. do you have the chops to do it do you know what what is the <coughs> uh, the DNA behind that kind of music so <laughs> frankly uh, I just recently saw an interview with some of the Doobie Brothers and, and the DNA was a doobie <laughs> for a lot of them he's just saying but I, I'm not I'm pretty sure that's not what you're recommending <laughs> well I you know <laughs> Right, if the shoe fits. If the, whatever, whatever it takes. <laughs> it's legal here in Southern California. Uh, okay, next bullet point. Um, all right, so that was orchestration and then non-orchestral -orche works. Um, another composing tip is in reading briefs, which is equivalent to a taxi listing. If you get something from a publisher or from taxi that says, we're looking for music that sounds like this. A description of what they need. Yeah, and so you need to figure out how to um, take that apart, disseminate it into what exactly are they looking for. And that's always been the biggest problem, I think, with taxi members is that they really don't understand what it is somebody's looking for. He's not talking about all taxi members, generally newer taxi members or members that have been members for a while and haven't found success yet. They're not analyzing the request. Yeah, it's a skill that you have to develop. It's and I, I've used used this um, uh, metaphor before of they're asking for an apple and you give them a red apple, and if you had read further into it, you would have realized they were asking for a green apple. Mm -hmm. So, but mine's an apple. Can't wouldn't they use a red? They should apple? just use it. Right. It's still an apple. Tastes delicious. Right. <laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> um, delicious apple. Yeah. But yeah, this this takes time. But again, you have to do your homework and and learn how to read between the lines. What exactly are they looking for? What are they asking for? Uh, you know, I was hanging out. I was at the Hawaii Songwriters Festival a couple of weekends ago, and I was hanging out with uh, somebody who whose job it is just to write briefs. Mm -hmm. for their company uh, a big part of their job is writing the briefs sending them out and, and she and I were laughing at how if people had any idea how much thought goes into writing a brief and how much post analysis after you've written it and then you in my I sit here because I'm usually the last set of eyes before it goes to um, to get emailed out and 
I have to sit there and think, okay, would somebody who's been a taxi member for three weeks understand this as well as somebody who's a veteran member? And the answer is no. So then we have to tweak it and make it so it doesn't insult the um, experience and intelligence of the veteran members, but at the same point, or at the same time, um, gets the message across to somebody who's new mm -hmm. to reading the stuff. So it's way harder than it looks. Um, but you're trying to make it easier for the composer to succeed. You're not trying, yeah, you're not, you don't right. want us to fail. Right, we're not setting up roadblocks. We're, we're literally setting up, you know, like if you want X here, you know, here here's where you put your token in to get the toll thing to go up, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. So um, this just comes from experience, but master that skill because then it'll speed things up. Then as, as listings come in, then you go, oh, I, I understand exactly what they're looking for. Do you ever like bullet point? And we've talked actually about bullet pointing the stuff, but sometimes you need like an explanation with each bullet point and then the bullet points become two sentences long. So we just put it in paragraph form. But I know that certain successful taxi members will take the stuff and go red apple um, harvested in the fall. <laughs> Uh, stem left on, you know, whatever the criteria are, and they kind of list them out and then tape that to a wall near where they're working so they go back and, and check every now and then. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so what you just said there about making bullet points, I'm, I'm going to go one more bullet point here and then I'm going to jump to another topic which segues into that. Okay. Okay, so the last last one is uh, watch TV. If, if you want to write for television, you better be watching TV. Um, you need to know what the industry is looking for. And don't watch dramas on Netflix if you plan on doing instrumental music that's more applicable to uh, reality TV shows. They're different animals. They're both music for television, utterly different. True statement? Absolutely. Um, because the, the dramas are scored, uh, music scores. Mm -hmm. They're scored to picture, whereas mo the rest of the reality TV is the cues that we're writing getting music libraries and they're getting placed and snippets are getting here and here and here and um, so you need to know ex exactly that style of, of music so for example if you want to write dramedy music then you're going to watch the uh, anything on TLC mm -hmm. or or the Kardashians or you know those kind of shows if you want to write tension music You'll want to watch a lot of crime drama stuff, anything on investigation discovery, true crime stuff, Oxygen Network too. My wife sits around and watches nothing but murder shows. <laughs> it's like, how can, you, how can you watch this? But, you know, I'll, I'll have it on in the background and listen to it. And, you know, you get a sense for exactly the kind of music you should be writing to get on those shows. Absolutely. So... Uh, if you don't have cable, because I know a lot of people, and I just cut cable, um, I'm streaming now only. Um, but if, if you don't have uh, access to uh, a lot of networks, go to YouTube. Mm -hmm. YouTube has clips for every show in the world. So I would recommend trying to watch shows from the most recent season. Right. Because music has changed a little bit, even over five, from five years ago. Uh, for one of the road rally panels years ago, a couple of years ago, I prepped stuff by uh, researching uh, uh, what's the show with Chip and Joanna Gaines, um, Fixer Upper. Uh, and, and my wife watches a lot of Fixer Upper, as do I with her. And I've noticed their stuff is very emotionally upbeat. 
um, hardly ever anything that would be, you know, tragic sounding or depressing or downer. Um, so it's, it's light and breezy and fun. And, and now we're going to work, you know, all those typical things that you would expect in a show like that. So I couldn't find full episodes of the show and was able to find consolidated, you know, like here's a design tip from Joanna, mm -hmm. which was usually like a three minute piece on YouTube. Mm -hmm. And they still had three cues that they had probably mm -hmm. pulled from the show. So there you go. Uh, you know, because of the shortness that, that they're going to use a cue, in a three-minute YouTube clip, you're still going to get a lot yeah. out of it, for sure. Yep. So definitely understand what the industry is looking for. Okay. So uh, you talked about making bullet points on on uh, on briefs. So one of the tools that you can use uh, for lots of stuff is Google Docs. Okay. So Which I, everybody has access to. It's, it's a in-the-cloud version of Microsoft Word and Microsoft Excel. And, well, those are the only two that I use. Um, but it's available everywhere. And so I use, for example, Google Docs. I have one called Taxi Listings to Submit. Mm -hmm. So as the, every time I get an email or the listings come out, um, I will copy and paste one of the listings and put it in this document. And then I'll go in there and, and I'll start highlighting in different colors the different things that we're talking about. Is it exclusive, non-exclusive? Mm. This cue should be about a minute and a half, or this cue should be about two minutes. So I want to make sure that I'm writing exactly what you're asking for. And then, the, you know, Taxi always put in, we recommend that you do this or that. Mm -hmm. I will highlight that. So that stuff is standing out. And I don't have to think about. Well, I that's you know I know what I, I know what they want. <laughs> By the way, when we make those recommendations, we're really careful how we word those things. We'll say based on our experience X, Y, or Z. Um, sometimes they don't ask for stuff because they're in a hurry, and the information we get from them is a little undeveloped. Let's say. Mm -hmm. But we know better than to pester the supervisor and keep calling them back saying, did you mean this or did you mean that? Because mm -hmm. they won't ever reach out to us again if we represent, oh, those guys are work for me. They, I'm going to send them a brief and they're going to hit me up five times asking questions. Next time I'm not going to send them the brief. So we have to go back and look at other stuff that we wrote up in the past. Oh, he, um, he does want... Uh, lyrics that uh what's a uh, universal lyrics so we'll put stuff in the listings uh you know based on our experience or yeah that sort of thing where it is literally based on our experience in general sometimes it's based on our experience specifically with that person mm -hmm. absolutely so google docs is it's a great tool um other things like that i've used it for um uh when I'm, for example, when I'm creating my layouts for my uh, virtual instruments, for my templates, mm -hmm. um, I will create a, a, a spreadsheet and list by, you know, by the woodwinds and by the brass. And every time I get a new library, I insert them in there and I include all the information about, you know, what channel it's on and what port it's going through and, you know, what, what routing it's going to go through. Do you keep favorites? Like if you had, you know, bombastic orchestral, do you have violas that work particularly well for that and you annotate that in the spreadsheet so that next time you, you don't just do a highlight yeah on okay one. yeah but what's great about that is that because i i have a daw on one computer and i have my virtual instrument server on another computer i can 
go back and forth with this document because it's in the cloud. I just open up my browser, mm -hmm. open up that document. And just leave it. Yeah. In fact, when I'm creating templates, uh, and I use Vienna Ensemble Pro, mm -hmm. um, I will just do a copy and paste uh, from the text that I've, I've gotten from the spreadsheet and just then just put it in the uh, uh, in my track, uh, the name of my track in my doc. Ah, okay. Yeah, so I don't ever hash type anything. Uh, in fact, one of the tricks I do is I, I, I go into um, the contact folder for the instrument. I go through the instruments folder that lists all the instruments, and I just do a copy and paste of that name, put it in my Google Doc, and then from there I, I copy that name into my track in the DAW. So I never have to actually type anything. It's just a lot of copying and pasting. So it's, it's very, it perfect very efficient. Uh, do you delight when you come up against a, a, a brief or a taxi listing that just says, look, you know, solo acoustic guitar, you must be like, yes, I can bang this out in 90 minutes? Um, yeah. If you got to think about it that hard, maybe not. Honest, uh, I'll be honest with you. I, I don't do a lot of stuff where I have to set up a microphone. Yeah. Because it. It just takes a lot of time. I don't have a lot of room because you know what happens then. Then I have to put the microphone away. I can't. I can't leave this stuff set up in in, in my room all the time. It's, so that time I, I came to your old house and you did that piece live on the show. Yeah. That was all a ruse. You don't actually do that. <laughs> uh, if I was doing several tracks in a row, I would right. leave it set up for a few days and, and work on the stuff. But normally, I just. I don't have the space to do it, and and you know because my love is writing orchestral music, I'm going to work in the box, and it's just that's what I'm going to gravitate towards. So if I have a listing for a guitar solo piece and and a and a trailer track, I'm going to work on the trailer track. But yeah, you're right. I mean, I I could knock out several guitar cues, you know, easily. But I'm doing first of all, I have to be happy with what I do mm -hmm. first. Got it. Uh, what's next on your list? Uh, now that we're bouncing around, what do you want to? We go are to? kind of bouncing around, yeah. So, okay. so just to just to um, wrap up with the Google Doc thing. So, uh, you can use it for for writing lyrics, for any kind of note taking. Uh, my book, I wrote in Google Docs. Wow. So you weren't afraid of the cloud like <laughs> going down. <laughs> no, I know Google's got no. that stuff no. backed up like crazy. Right, yeah, because they have them uh, on you know so many backup systems. But you know, I could sit at my desk and, and work on my book, and then I could take my laptop and sit in my bed and, and work on the book, and it's just available. I don't have to copy files anywhere. So it's just a great system for for having data available. Okay. Um, Let's, can we do the pay it forward part at the end of the episode? Mm -hmm. uh, just because that'll be a nice end cap for the whole thing. Um, and, and as an addendum to what we just talked about, uh, do you ever use Composer Catalog? Um, yeah, that's, that's on my list of um, software and services. So, we jump to that? Sure. Yeah, let's jump to Composer Catalog specifically, just because it sounds like uh, if you're the kind of person who's organized in your music um, composing and production, that Composer Catalog would be a good analog for, and I don't mean analog like, you know, it's got tubes and transistors in it. Um, I mean, 
somebody who's as organized as you are, it makes sense that you'd use something like Composer Catalog, which keeps track of, you know what, you explain it better. Great, uh, well, um, Keith LeBrand created Composer Catalog. He's and a it's taxi a, member. Uh, amazing musician and, and a, a smart programmer, and he created this software that logs all of your your songs, all, all of your cues. All your different cut downs and, and different mixes, everything. Right? Every, everything, and he created, it's available for Mac and PC, and I was introduced to it when it, I guess when it, probably when it first came out and uh, through the taxi rally, you know, they have the, mm -hmm. little, the little cards advertising it, and um, and I bought it. And it, it actually took me a while uh, to get all my tracks into his software, because it was a little time consuming at first. Right, but then it's a time saver after you go, right. Because I was using a, a Google Docs spreadsheet that listed all my tracks, and I'd have a different column for every publisher, and it was just crazy, and color-coding each publisher name, and it was just got insane. <laughs> and so I had to, and he does have, you know, uh, import uh, uh, tools, so I was able to export the uh, oh, that's the good. spreadsheet and then import it, and at least it got all the titles in, and, and then I had to go one by one and... and because I didn't have all the, the categories that his software uh, used. You know, mm -hmm. for example, like what's, what's the, the genre that it's in. I didn't list that in my spreadsheet, you know. Right. So I'd have to go in there. So I eventually got it all in there. Um, and as I add a new track every day, it's, it's just the greatest. Because you, you add, you, you can list what publisher or publishers that, that it's assigned to, whether exclusive or non-exclusive. Uh, whether it has alternate names, if it's a retitle, um, you can list all the all the uh, songwriters. The uh, if you're if you're collaborating, you list all their uh, PRO information. Um, um, you, you can list keywords that you would use in your metadata, um, and you can also link it to an audio file on your hard drive. So as you're going through your list, you oh, can nice. you can do a search. You can say, what tension tracks do I have that are unsigned? And I'll do a search, and it'll come up with a list. And then I click a play button, and, and I go, okay, that's a good cue. I'll send this one. And then you go through. So it's a fantastic um, tool. He really thought of everything because it was born out of his own, his own necessity being um, a taxi member. And he was doing so much work that he needed to keep it organized. Yeah, now, and I've done beta testing for, for the, the last release he did. And uh, just a great piece of software. And as I was beta testing, I was going through everything, and I'd go, oh, my gosh here's a feature I didn't know existed mm -hmm. because I'm going through everything. I said, you know, Keith, you need to try to uh, get people to be aware of, of these features and stuff because some of them seemed kind of hidden. Uh, but the, on the only th uh, thing it's lacking at the moment is that it's not cloud-based. So you have to be on that computer. Which uh, most of the time you are going to be um, because you're working. Generally better, but I oh, can be could, away. Right. I, I'd want to pull up my phone and say, Oh, oh, what's what's you know? If I read an email from Taxi and go, oh, what song would be good for that that I could submit, you know? And I could go through uh, Composer Catalog on my phone. It doesn't exist yet. So Keith, if you're listening, <laughs> if you could find the thirty-three thousand songs on my computer, <laughs> you will be mightily rewarded. <laughs> um, you know, it's funny. Uh, something that I, I can relate to what you're talking about because uh, we're redoing the back end of the taxi website and some front end stuff as well and 
trying to make the, the user experience for the members much more fluid uh, so you guys can submit from phones and just, you know, you don't have to enter your credit card number all the time, blah, 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 all that stuff. Anyway, it turns out we've got like some crazy, like I want to say 17,000 pages on our website. Wow. But, it, you know, it's a couple of decades old. So uh, we've amassed a lot of articles from the newsletter and things like that. So going through, because we're leaving the HTML world and, and making the entire thing um, Ruby on Rails and it's all database driven. So we've got to change every URL. We've got to retag stuff, all kinds of stuff. And, and my wife, who is not a technical person, has been doing, you know, finding all the HTML pulling it out of every page and putting it in the right place in the um, content management system that was custom built for this website. Yes. Crazy amount of work, but you know, once it's all done, mm -hmm. everything in the future will be easier, but man, yeah. crossing that threshold is a yeah. bitch. No, I, I get it, I get it. Well, we should mention some of these other um, yeah. software and different services available that, that will make your life easier. Now, Composer Catalog, I highly recommend um, we talked about this last week, Groove 3. It's a, uh, a video tutorial uh, series, and they have instructional videos on everything in the music industry, uh, playing guitar, um, using Cubase, um, mixing and mastering, you name it. And they're, they're very current. Um, I highly recommend them. They have an annual subscription. I think it's $100 a year. Totally worth it. Eight bucks a month. Oh my gosh, yeah. I wish college was that cheap. Right. <laughs> um, the next is YouTube. Um, you're watching this on YouTube right now. Yes, you are. Um, so you're learning a lot of stuff from this show, but like we mentioned earlier, watching clips from TV shows that you're interested in learning about. Um, the, there's so much. And, and like Groove 3, you can learn about anything musical. Uh, the only thing about that is that you don't know who these people are trying to teach you something, and they, it might not be very good. But there's tons of stuff out there, and I've I found a lot of great information. And there are reliable uh, teachers out there that that regularly produce videos on mixing or composition. It like also that. depends. Find a teacher that's doing the kind of stuff you're doing. Um, I've seen like urban music guys explaining how to use a DAW. They use it completely differently than somebody doing orchestral because mm -hmm. their workflow is just different. It's not that what they're doing is right or wrong. It's just different. So try and find somebody on YouTube that's doing the kind of stuff you want to do. Mm -hmm. Just absolutely. You, you can make your life easier rather than having to do the translation in your head. Yeah. Uh, last but not least, this show, Taxi TV. Every week, Michael has something amazing. <laughs> thank you, thank you. And I don't know how you come up with subjects from week to week. It's just amazing and have amazing guests, you know. <laughs> yes, we do. <laughs> I'm finding, you know, coming up with a subject, is, is, I've got to admit, is really, really hard because we've covered so much. We've been doing this for as long as Friends was on TV. 10 years of taxi TV. So the good news is that technology moves forward, the industry has moved forward, things are always changing. So even though I did something, uh, covered a topic, you know, four years ago, there's probably fresh new information to cover mm -hmm. now or new people to get it. From. Yeah, and maybe <clears throat> something else that I, I would suggest is on the taxi 
site have a cataloging of subject matter so people can find older episodes of Taxi TV related to a particular subject. That might be useful. Yeah, we've got playlists that Bria's put together um, on the YouTube channel. Frankly, one of the problems I have with going back too far is the old shows look so bad visually. Mm. It sounds so bad visually. Mm. Uh, you know, the audio is just. But like, if the oh. information is valid, it and is. Um, some of it is old and dated, but the stuff that we used to do on what was that system we used to use when we weren't Ustream. on. Ustream. I mean, mm -hmm. I go back and look at the Ustream episodes mm -hmm. now. I want to cry. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm surprised people even watched the show back then. Yeah, but you're right. Not good, yeah. um, once we get everything that we're working on the website done now, uh, I did ask the question in one of our meetings with the developers, is, um, should we do video embeds where we take the YouTube stuff and embed it so that people are watching it directly from the site? So if, mm -hmm. if we're going to do that, we should organize by, cate by category. Mm-hmm. And then every once in a while, refresh an old video, retire the old video, and then you right. have updated material. Yeah. yeah. And tagging will be key to all of this, actually. Mm -hmm. And last but not least, Taxi Forums. Yes. A fantastic community and just a lot of education, especially if, if you're new to this. A lot of people are, are you know, think, oh, forums, they're old school. I'm on Facebook all the time. But you know what? There's a huge difference I've tried to point out in the past, which is Facebook is very ephemeral. It's in the moment. Um, mm -hmm. Basically, the information is up there for a minute, an hour, or a day. Try to find something. On it. Right, and then it's yeah. gone, you know. Even if you were, you know, to, to do a search, you're right, just weeding through the mm -hmm. quantity of stuff. The forum is like an encyclopedia that just keeps getting deeper and better every day because information it, the old stuff doesn't go away it's not fleeting it's not in the moment and man it, sometimes on a saturday i'll go spend six hours on the forum just acting like a consumer and just tooling around looking mm -hmm. at stuff i'm amazed i'm so proud of it not that i had anything to do with it other than saying okay let's put up a forum mm -hmm. and i try to keep my nose out of it and let the community run it uh but man oh man you guys have done a just an amazing job of sharing information there. yeah I, I don't post very often anymore because I'm you know fairly busy but I always try to get up there a couple times a week just to just see what people are talking about and where else can somebody if they're talking about me <laughs> so I mean but think about this if you're just starting out doing orchestral cues and you live in you know Wisconsin and you don't hang out in any forum or any taxi composer groups or anything like that and you're kind of all alone and you've never really gone down this road before, they now have access to people like you that have figured it out. And, and you've got access to people who could be more advanced than you, who, you know, mm -hmm. maybe you know 90% of it, but there's 10% that you're missing. Mm -hmm. So there's always something for everybody at every level and mm -hmm. it lives there forever. I, I love the forum. I will, I, I hate to say never, but I will never get rid of that forum. There's just too much great stuff yeah. there. Good. Uh, let's see, where, where are we at here? Oh, okay, so uh, this, is, this follows along the line of, of like the Google Docs. Um, YouTube playlists. Now, every time a taxi listing comes out and it has some links to some YouTube videos of music, I will create a YouTube playlist and I will put those videos in there. So I, ha I will have one for crime drama tension and I'll have one for dramedy. So I can always refer back to those 
it, it's just like a like bookmarking a bunch of videos. Mm -hmm. You know, they can be private playlists, they can be public if you want, but I find it's a great tool for organization and and for learning. So you you, can, you always have reference. Right, because you'll never be able to find that thing again when you're most needed. <laughs> yeah, pretty so, much. So put it in your own playlist. Doesn't cost you anything. It literally takes thirty seconds or less. Yeah, you can favorite a video, but then it's unorganized. Right. Put it in a playlist. <laughs> it's a list this long. <laughs> exactly. So a playlist is just a folder where you're putting stuff in. So I like organization. Um, in fact, let's go. Let's talk about Dawes. Okay. But I thought you had cats. <laughs> Bada boom. Bada boom. <laughs> um, so just like um, YouTube playlists, DAWs utilize folders. Digital audio workstations for those of you who don't use the lingo yet. So organize your tracks categorically and keep them in folders so you can close the folder and, and have a lot of room on the screen. Were you organized as a kid? Yeah. Because I'm, if my wife walks in the bedroom in the morning, I'm sitting there on my laptop, and she goes, "Have you seen my phone?" Yeah, it's downstairs on the left side of your desk in the kitchen. Uh -huh. I will know that. Uh -huh. But if you looked at my desktop, it looks like it rained folders. Uh -huh. <laughs> so it's funny how some things I could be so organized and meticulous about and other things. But you know yeah. what? Anything I find anything I put in a folder gets forgotten because it's in a folder. I have to open mm. the folder to know what's in there. But I, I'm really good about the way I label files. Like, well, we can lead you to water. <laughs> right. <laughs> but I do it's up to you. Labeling files uh, is, well is an important thing. Um, I, I find that a lot of times people that send me files, they labeled it for him or herself mm -hmm. so that it resonates and speaks right. to them. And then it comes to me, and, and the file will just say taxi doc. Now imagine my computer, how many things say taxi on it. But if I do like Taxi Road Rally Panels 2019, yeah. Anyway, so I, how does I that... have a friend and I love him dearly, but he labels every one of his folders with the word stuff. Ooh. <laughs> Music stuff. <laughs> oh my gosh. Income tax stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Guitar stuff. Holy <laughs> Okay. I'm way better than that. <laughs> um, so, tracks. Uh, is a great tool for utilize, uh, utilizing organization in, in a DAW. W when I was with uh, using Sonar, they had tracks. But when I went to Cubase, I discovered they have nested tracks. Uh, I'm sorry, folders. Okay. Nested folders. Whereas uh, they only had one level deep of uh, folders in, in Sonar. That changed my life. Okay, so you have a, you have a folder, say, for strings. Mm -hmm. And then you open that up, and you have a folder for violins. And then you open that up, and you have a folder for violins one. And then, you, you know, violins two. And you can just keep going down, down, down. So how much you use violins one and two? Would one be pizzicato violins? One would be no. legato? Or, I mean, or they, just... they could both be legato, but you're writing five-part harmony when you're writing strings. Okay, so... And most of these libraries create separate violin one and violin two instruments. They do sound a little different, oh, and, I see. They, and they are in different different places in the orchestra. I mean, uh, where they're aligned on the stage. Right. You know, your first violins are to your left, second violins are center left, violas, and then cellos. By the way, I've got the the floor plan of um, 
Vienna String Library, uh, their studio in Vienna mm. that they bought that's like as world class as it gets. They gave me the you know uh, bird's eye view of the floor plan there, and he gave it to me. Uh, Martin gave it to me and said, "Go ahead, put it up in your form." I've never done that. I will someday. I promise. Oh, okay, that'd be fa fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Um, next to folders, the second best thing is color coding your tracks. So you set a color for all your violins, and then a different color for your cellos, and a different color for your trumpets, and and how do you use that? So. Um, when you're, you, I mean, you can do it on the fly, or if you're creating a template, you already have them set up that way. So when you're, when you have these instruments, you can see in a bird's eye view of all the tracks going across just by the color. You can tell what instruments those are. So it's a it's a really quick way to to find what you're looking for, visually on the timeline. Uh huh. God, that makes sense. Yeah, a lot of people are very visually oriented, so mm -hmm. that that helps a lot. Yeah, I'm. I'm saying sorry. I, I shouldn't be thinking deeply on camera, but uh, I get it. So you're watching the timeline scroll by, and you're going, "Oh, I wonder why the viola is not there." And you look up, and you're, "Oh, look at that. There's no purple. I left that part out." Exactly. That's that's a, a perfect example. And violas, uh, violas are always purple mm -hmm. because violet. <laughs> I like okay. how you think. Yeah, very visually. <laughs> Um, chromatically. All right, so DAW. That let's let's talk about recording. Let's my favorite subject. Um, always, always, always use live musicians whenever possible. And what do you get before that musician walks out the door after that session? Uh, thank you. No, piece of paper that <laughs> says. So we have a work for hire that right. you're going to make these musicians sign. Uh, anybody that works for you. And we did talk about that last week, but just to, to recap, um, how do you compensate a musician? You can either pay them a flat fee or work out a percentage of ownership of the writer's share of your cue. Or chocolate. Most musicians will go for the chocolate. <laughs> or beer. Or... There you go. <laughs> Here you go, a basket of <laughs> buffalo chicken wings and a beer. If it's a drummer, then you have beer. <laughs> Ooh, I'm going to get emails about that one. Um, <laughs> yeah, so why use a live musician over a virtual instrument? I know the answer, but I'll let you. It sounds better. Yeah. It sounds like real humans. Have you gotten good enough on the violin that you will actually make yourself, um, record yourself playing violin I've, on top of a stack? I've Well, I've, done it a, I've only done it a, f a few times because I'm not quite good enough yet. I mean, there's a danger of using a live musician. That's not very good. So, don't don't hire me for violin right now. Sixth chair. <laughs> yeah. In somebody else's orchestra. But yeah, I, I mean, if you have a, a real guitar over a, a virtual instrument, it just sounds real because a virtual instrument is going to be repetitive. It's going to have the same loops over and over, um, and you can just get so much more done and, and quickly. I mean, if if I had a real orchestra in front of me, I mean, that would be so much better than... It's very time-consuming entering the notes one instrument at a time, one note at a time. Uh, it's, it's terrible. Uh, I would much rather have uh, a live musician playing for me. Do you ever fantasize about doing any of the remote orchestral stuff, you know, where you're sitting in L.A. watching your stuff being played and recorded, uh, you know, in, in Vienna? 
Um, and, yeah, and, you know, there there are services that have the, like these $99 orchestras, and they're usually like in Budapest or something. Right. And they're, they're subpar orchestras. They're, they're not that good. Their sight reading is not as good. So if you're... Uh, if you're writing stuff that's you know designed for LA musicians, it's you're not going to get the same results in in some of these these foreign orchestras. But you can um, I know people that have literally done like taken a quarter of an hour at the end of somebody else's session and write them a check for two hundred bucks or whatever. It's mm -hmm. not all that expensive, quite frankly, uh, and, and they'll just do a pass. Where honestly, I think they're looking more for the texture and doing exactly what you're talking about, which is adding real players to it and putting that on top of the stuff that they've created uh, in their DAW. Um, yeah, that uh, would actually be fantastic. Yeah, so so give them a, a, a MIDI track essentially, yeah, of virtual instruments, and then have them sweeten it with with real instruments. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I don't know that you would want to have somebody go for a solo or, you know, do any complicated runs or anything, but for, for just literally doing what's already been done in the box, but doing it live, mm -hmm. you know, for a couple hundred bucks on an important piece uh, of work, that would be cool. Yeah, and, and I, I did mention the story of, uh, on another Taxi TV episode where I used would hang out at these sessions uh, where Mark Waters was doing Goof Troop, a Disney show. Cartoon What's animators. it called? Goof Troop. Goofy. Goof Troop, okay. Yeah, it was from the early 90s. But <laughs> they they had basically, it was a, a MIDI score. Um, and in those days, I mean, the MIDI instruments didn't, didn't sound very good at all. Right. But they added some live musicians. So they had one trumpet, one trombone, maybe two percussionists, you know, one woodwind player, um, you know, a violin player and maybe a maybe a cellist or something. So just a very small orchestra of live musicians to sweeten the sound of this MIDI track. You couldn't distinguish it from a real orchestra because just the the human element of of the way they play the the notes. You know, which you yeah. you don't quite get. They're better now. The virtual instruments way better now. But in those days, I mean that. That was certainly the way to go. And but even today, if you can supplement MIDI tracks with live instruments, it'll make just make it sound that much better. I've heard stuff come in to Taxi where it's basically a solo acoustic guitar piece, and I sit there and go, I know that dude doesn't play guitar. Could this be MIDI? And it's so incredibly good. And I come to find out that what they did was just record, even though they're not a guitar player, they would just make like an open G chord and just go brown mm -hmm. on top of, of what the computer was doing. And it sounded beautiful. Mm -hmm. Really impressive. Absolutely. Um, so one last thing in my recording list is when you're creating your, your final mix, leave of a small amount of silence before the track begins and it could be like a 16th 16th note worth of, of can we space. underline the word small though because i hear files that come in excuse me frequently where there's maybe five or ten seconds up front and you sit there and go do i have a blank file What's oh up? right yeah yeah um i see it all the time on soundcloud mm, interesting me. um so yeah I, I i like the idea of just having a beat well soundcloud's a culprit where a lot of times it, a track will start and you won't hear the very first note because, because it for whatever reason the way their encoders are, are translating the data right the threshold is too high or something yeah but if you have a tiny bit of, of space just like a bum you know a little mm -hmm. breath 
that that helps a lot. For just my own two cents. That makes perfect sense. Um, so it's five now. We want to get some questions, but we also want to talk about pay it forward. Let's talk about pay it forward. Um, you know what? If there's anything that the Road Rally is famous for, uh, other than just being awesome, that's our convention, if you're not familiar with it, which comes up uh, November 8th through the 11th. Did I get that right? This 7th through the 10th. 7th through the, I don't know why I've got this 8th through the I've told people <laughs> the wrong date so many times. 7th through the 10th in Los Angeles. You've got to be a taxi member, but if you are a taxi member, you get two, count them, two free tickets to the Road Rally. Um, the road rally has become kind of the epicenter of people paying it forward. And uh, I, I was just going through notes literally an hour before the show today, um, prepping some road rally promo material and looking at old quotes. And somebody said, I can't believe it. I'm nobody. This is my first road rally. And I'm just starting out in this whole music for television mm -hmm. thing. And I met one of your senior, more experienced members, and they could not have been more forthcoming and helpful throughout the entire weekend. So. It is amazing to me because I can't force people to do that. That's the nature of you guys, of the membership base. And do you have any inkling, and don't say, well, it trickles down from the top, Michael, because I can't trickle that much. Um, it's, this has been going on. The Road Rally, we're going to do our 23rd one. And I would say for at least the last 15 that this has been a major topic of the whole pay it forward thing what makes our members so much more generous and accommodating and helpful to newer, younger, maybe even more shy members who are more shy than other music conventions that I have gone to and spoken at where I see everybody, it's just like every man for him or herself. Um, everybody's, you know, a lot of posers, like, look at me, I'm so cool, I'm the belle of the ball. You don't see that at the road rally. Why are our members so awesome? Um, it trickles down from the top. <laughs> Cheap shot. No, it, <laughs> it, uh, you know, it's contagious, really. I mean, you get newbies to start on the forums, and the forums are generally very um, generous in sharing information. And, and then once you get to the taxi rally, you see more of it, and it just becomes a way of life. And I, I think if you, if you go through your life with intention and paying it forward, never expecting anything back. Right. You know, when am I going to see my $300 back from taxi after my first year? <laughs> I love that question. <laughs> but if, if you just go through your life, you know, paying it forward, it, things come back to you in, in big ways. I, I mean, I truly believe that. And it feels better. It, yeah. It's just nice to be nice. Yeah. <laughs> It seems so obvious when you say the words, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, I mean, the, I, I don't have a lot to say about it other than just do it. Just be a nice person generally and, um, you know, things, good things come back to you. It ties into the forum, you're right, a, a lot. And a lot of people will come up to me and say, you know, I, I've lurked on the forum, but uh, I'm not active. I've not outed myself as anything but a lurker. But you know what? Today, we're like four months and slight change away from the road rally. Um, if I were you and you're somebody that wants to come to the road rally and want to feel like you're going to a family reunion and you're getting off the plane and walking to that hotel and feeling totally welcomed 
and embraced by everybody, the forum is an amazing place to start. Like tonight, after this show is over, register on the forum. It doesn't cost you anything. And just go on there and don't come out of the gate and say, here I am, ta-da, I'm amazing. Just say, hey, I'm a composer in Ottawa, Illinois. Um, thinking about going to the road rally this year, start a conversation and people will respond to you. And in more so than other forums and other sites that I've seen, um, it's non-competitive. Um, it really is this incredible spirit of lifting everybody up. So meet the people on the forum. Um, they will get to know you by your screen name on the forum. And then when you go to the road rally, you'll run into other people that you've seen on the forum go, oh, my name you know, is Bob from Ottawa on the forum. Oh, you're Bob, nice to meet you, and boom. Uh, even people who really are like super shy and fearful of coming to the road rally because they're so shy have, have reported to me countless times how their road rally experience was so warm and welcoming because they started on the forum, which is at forums, with an S, forums.taxi.com. And where people first experience it when they come to the forum is standing in the queue for registration. Oh, at the road rally, yeah, yeah. right. And you're, <laughs> right. and you're standing next to total strangers, and be, by the time you get up and get your badge, you're best of friends, you know? You yeah. exchange cards and CDs and so forth, and uh, yeah, you, and you've already made connections. We've actually had people ask us, you know, why do you guys let the line, and first of all, people start lining up at six o'clock in the morning, but, um, we could probably open registration an hour or two earlier because we've gotten better at doing the setup, but you know, it's nice to have that breathing room. Uh, it, I don't want that registration line to be less long than it is, quite frankly, because so many relationships are built there. Mm -hmm. it, it's amazing. Absolutely. Hey, I'm going to Subway to get a sandwich. Can I get something for you guys? And before you know it, there's this culture of sharing and paying it forward. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because doesn't I, mean you have to buy everybody. I, I've been to a lot of conferences where you know you you have a lunch break and nobody talks to anybody and wow, you know, because it's you're a bunch of strangers and at, at taxi, you know, it, you already have some familiarity with with a lot of people, you know, and if you're with a group of people and then they bring in, hey, you know, come on with us and it just becomes a bigger family. So while I'm in the process of reminding people to go to the Red Rally, which is November seventh through the tenth. Uh, I also want to remind you that a week from Thursday, which will be July 11th at 8 p.m. in Los Angeles, we're doing Taxi's second live showcase and putting some of our local members up on stage at Kulak's Woodshed on um, Lancashire uh, in North Hollywood. And is it Lancashire? No, it's on Laurel, right? How many times Laurel. have you played it's there? It's not Lancashire. Oh, it's on Laurel. Yeah, <laughs> Bree has played there like four times, but you can't remember where it is. Ta-da. Anyway. Um, Just hang out in L.A. <laughs> it's a big city. You'll find it. Anyway, we've, uh, we did it last year, and it went really, really well, and some great music. So uh, the staff uh, has picked more great music for this year. Seating is limited. Um, you're going to get an email. If you live in the L.A. area, you'll get an email tomorrow, and you should respond to that email if you want to come. Um, but respond quickly because the place only holds like, I 
think 60 people, but the atmosphere there is really awesome. I always compare it to my friend Tim's parents' basement when we were in junior high and high school, going hang out in his basement listening to like Frank Zappa records and stealing his dad's beer and playing ping pong <laughs> and pool in the basement. For some reason, Kulak's reminds me of my friend Tim's parents' basement. Um, and their video, their in-house video capabilities for doing live broadcasts are amazingly good. So we will be broadcasting live for those of you who are watching Taxi TV from all over the, you know, all around the world. You want to see it live? You can. You're just going to have to either get up really early or stay up really late. Um, starts at 8 p.m. sharp on Thursday, July 11th. So don't miss that. Um, there's something. Oh, I know what I forgot to do today. I forgot to hold up my signs before we go to the queue. <laughs> Start getting your questions ready right now because we are going to do Q&A momentarily. If you have not already, please subscribe to our channel. Hit that red button in the lower right-hand corner and uh, subscribe so that you can get... Uh, you should hit the little bill, b bell, not bill. Hit bill. <laughs> Don't hit bill. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> he doesn't like that. Right, you'll be charged with manslaughter <laughs> but uh, certainly uh, what do they call it when you hit people uh, assault. battery assault, assault and battery yeah. there you go um, and if you were aggravated at the time then be aggravated battery anyway hit that little bell which is in the upper right corner I believe and you will get notifications share with a friend because YouTube's algorithm really likes it when you do it tells us that or tells them that we're awesome which you guys already know that but YouTube needs to know it, and for God's sake, please like us. There you go. Okay, did that. So let's get some questions. Um, Mark Himley is asking if the hotel discount is ready. Um, I honestly don't it know. Is. It is. So I have the answer for that. <laughs> okay, Bree's got the answer, which is the discount is ready. It is. If you When you register, you'll be sent the link um, in your registration confirmation email. Awesome. So go to your member profile on taximusic.com and you can sign up for the Red Rally there. And once you do, you'll get the link that takes you to the hotel, which gets you into our discounted room block, which is contractually got to be the cheapest rate they're giving for that weekend. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, some people try and, and book the hotel like the day after the current road rally thinking they're getting a really good deal. <laughs> but honestly, whatever their best published rate is out there, our rate has to beat it. Even if it's by a dollar, you're going to save a buck. Yeah. I already registered. You did? Yeah. I'm awesome. Going, I'm going this year. <laughs> good. So am I. <laughs> uh, do you know, we actually sent out one email on Saturday and we're probably, by the time we finish this show, we should be somewhere close to 450 people have registered already. Wow. Since Saturday morning. That's great. Yep. And it's still four months away. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Which to you sounds like a long time away from right. me. It's like, oh my gosh, I got to come yeah, up with all these panels and do all this you're stuff. You're in panic mode already. I am. I was here uh, <laughs> six hours on Saturday already. Uh, okay. Uh, question. Should orchestrations be in score order as if you were in the audience of a symphony orchestra? That's a really good question. So... I think that Marion's asking, um, you know, the, the floor plan, if you will, of the orchestra. Should the orchestration be in score order? You mean uh, it, where they're arranged on the stage? I think that's what she means. Um, 
as if you were, because like um, when I do drums, when I pan, record mm-hmm. and pan my drums, um, I do them from the drummer's perspective. Marion's asking, should you lay it out as if you were in the audience looking at the orchestra? Yeah, most modern um, orchestral libraries now are designed where the instruments are already panned to their proper location on the stage. So if I were the conductor looking at the orchestra, first violins would be to the left uh, at 9 o'clock, second violins would be at 10.30, violas at 1.30, cellos at 3 o'clock, and then behind the cellos are the basses. And then you have directly behind the strings, you have the the first uh, seat of woodwinds. So those are already set up. and they're, they have different microf- microphones recorded, so you get the perspective of either the stage mic, you know, one set of mics, like where the conductor is standing, or you have the surround mics at the back of the hall. But the perspective is, is already built in. So if you just recorded the instruments without doing anything, they, should, the sound, for you. they should sound like uh, a, a real orchestra. I used to do that back in the 70s and 80s if I had to record um, strings or sometimes a a full orchestra for something. Um, I I would do individual mics and then do like a a Shep's stereo mic or a binaural headset looking out at the whole thing so you could, Mm -hmm. uh, but then you had to pan everybody where they needed to be Mm -hmm. so that if you mixed any of that stuff for texture, you weren't like cross panning, getting all kinds of phase problems. So it's nice that they do the work for you. Yeah, if you do happen to get a, a, a library that is just centered, you need to know where it should sit in relation to the rest of the orchestra. Um, somebody just asked which DAW you're using now that you've switched. I'm on Cubase. Um, Very happy with it. Steve Michael, my question, would you say it's better to focus on, a, oh, I can bring this closer. would you say it's better to focus on a few or even just one style of composition to submit be a master at this only or do you think you can or anything you think you can do that's Um, a great question yeah again start with your strengths because I want you to be successful right off the bat so do things that you're really 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 good at that also um align with what the industry like I think we talked about polka last time if polka is your thing you're not going to see that many polka listings Mm -hmm. so but you have an instrument you know the background of recording and producing those instruments that would be in a polka band so you could take that and apply it to other stuff yeah Um, but that I I do talk about that in my book about coming up with a list of 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 the uh, thank you (laughs) of the top genres that that you know how to how to compose in and start with your the best one and then if there aren't if there isn't a need for that genre go to the next one and and start finding success start finding libraries that will will take that music and if you're writing uh, in a, in a way that that's that fits those kind of shows then you're going to see placements and then there's your there's your success now branching out into other um, styles um, that's fine. You need to t- make sure you're 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 serious enough about it. And we, which we talked about earlier about like doing your homework and and really knowing the style inside and out, and um, 
you know. Start easy and work your way up, though. Yeah. You know, uh, you could start out, uh, you know, with a small string section rather than doing full orchestral. Start out just doing a quartet for a while, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so that way you learn, and, and this relates to the question I just saw in there, is which microphone would you recommend for a cello? I've got to tell you, I'm going to share an old trick that somebody taught me a long, long time ago, and it works so well. Um, take a lavalier microphone, even a cheap one. I once bought a Radio Shack lavalier microphone that was like 20 or $30, and I'm looking to see if I've got any foam around here. I don't, but just take foam rubber. Um, a little thin piece of foam rubber and wrap it around the lavalier microphone and shove it in the F hole of the cello. Yeah, you will be <laughs> shocked how good that sounds. And the reason it sounds that good is lavalier microphones are made, they've got a, a really substantial peak at their, their frequency response is peaked at like 2,500 hertz, 2.5K for those of you who know the lingo. Um, <laughs> because that's what sounds best on a voice and they want to pick up the voice from down here on your shirt versus the rest of the room so that happens to sound really good on a cello uh depending on the octave that the cello is being played in in the part it might be too strident for some but you can always roll off a little 2.5k but i'm telling you I've recorded full orchestras many, many times. I've recorded string sections. You know, I've done layered orchestras where we just brought in the cellos and brought in the violas, blah, blah, blah. And nothing has worked consistently better for me with on, on cellos. As a matter of fact, a, a girl who was trying to get into, um, I don't know, Berkeley or one of the music schools once, and as a favor to somebody, I, I offered to re, uh, to her parents, I offered to record her doing her audition, and, and she was like a world-class cellist. <laughs> I remember the look on her face when I took the lavalier mic and wrapped the foam around, I walked over to her, whoa, whoa, you're touching my cello. <laughs> apparently, the thing was worth more than my house. Sure. And, yeah. and I... I said, look, I'm going to be careful of your instrument. And I put that in the F hole and I, I blew her mind. It, it affected her performance until oh, wow. she got comfortable with it. Wow. And she came in the control room and listened back. She said, that's the best my cello has ever been recorded. And oh, I that's said, amazing. Remember that, that trick? Wow. Well, you know, if, if you're interested in, in writing or, orchestral music, you know, start off with, say, a, like a pop song and learn how to write a part for, say, just a cello accompaniment to it or a violin accompaniment to it. So you learn about how to do articulations for those stringed instruments. So you're not overwhelmed by an entire string section. That's and, a great idea. You know, just one, one instrument and just kind of get used to how that that instrument can work with you know uh, an electric guitar or piano or something like that. Um, by the way, if, if you haven't seen the movie yesterday yet about the, uh, the world has forgotten the Beatles and their music, <laughs> except for one guy, Go see it. It's really cute. Probably won't win an Oscar, but it, as I said to my wife at the end of the movie, that was adorable. Mm-hmm. It was really definitely worth seeing. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. It's very cute. Um, okay, question. As a mostly live player slash arranger, does Steve do much with loops? I always use live players and need to change. Um, loops, I... The only thing I really use for loops are, are percussion, drum stuff. Um, there are uh, performance-based orchestral libraries that utilize loops for playing uh, rhythmic patterns for something. Um, I don't find a lot of use for them because they're 
they're pretty stale and you kind of run out of ideas with them. So I, I'd have to say drums and percussion are about the only things I'd use loops for. Um, oh, that's a question internally from one member to another. All right, any more questions? Oh, Bria's got some, okay. Uh, what virtual orchestra, uh, orchestra library does Steve use? What is the virtual orchestra library of choice for you? Oh boy. Um, I've been a big fan of Cine Samples, so I've, I've got all of their stuff. So that, that's been sort of my go-to, Cine Strings, Cine Winds, Cine Percussion. Um, I just started using Berlin Strings recently, and they have a really beautiful lush sound. Uh, and then I use um, all four of the Metro Metropolis Arc libraries, which are great for trailer stuff. Um, and what makes them great for trailer stuff? Um, they are they are recorded. Their performances are recorded as like triple fortissimo, <laughs> you know, very very loud. Yeah. Um, it's so it's not you wouldn't use it in like that fairy tale piece that I did. Right. You know, it's got a lot of attack. A lot of attack, and it just there. There is no quiet. It just okay. it, it, it starts at eleven and goes up, <laughs> pretty much. Um, so use it for anything German that you're playing by any of the German masters. That's the one. Um, yeah. So I, I don't know. I I just I just picked up modern scoring brass. Um, that's nice. Um, Heaviosity has some great stuff, and even their some of their string stuff, which are called affected strings, where they they have like a lot of phase shifting and stuff going through it can really add some really nice elements. Um, uh, let's see, Forzo is for brass. I mean, they have some just regular brass sounds, but they have also some of those um, those affected sounds, you know, chorusy kind of effects, and also their strings. The um, actually, I can't remember what the name of the string library is. It slipped my mind. Uh, <laughs> Welcome to old age, Saka. <laughs> Sorry. I guess stage fright. I forget yeah, that's things. right. That's what I said to Steve before we went live today. <laughs> so I get stage fright. Um, Spitfire is good for trailers. Uh, yeah, I know that, um, oh gosh, uh, Random Purcell uh, uses a lot of Spitfire stuff. Um, VSL, uh, what was the Vienna string thing? Uh, oh, what? Oh, the smart, the smart orchestra. orchestra. Yeah. Honestly, from everything that I've read, videos that I've watched, uh, speaking to um, Martin, who is their their marketing guy and also a, a high end user of it, uh, of all the Vienna string uh, symphonic stuff, um, the Vienna Smart Orchestra, for whatever I want to say, it's like two hundred forty nine dollars. Yeah, something. it's really really cheap. Yeah, it's it's a good starter set. Right. There are some of those kind of libraries where it's just a good starter set where it's got the entire orchestra and kind of gets you into writing for orchestra. It doesn't have all the articulations that you could ever use. Right. But it's like the basic stuff, which you know, Microsoft Word or Excel are, are good analogies for that because I, I've been using Microsoft Word since nineteen probably like 88 uh, and I've probably only used 10% of it. It's the same stuff they do over and over and over all the time. So most of the time you're going to use those common things and 
if you get to the point where it won't do what you need it to do and you need to upgrade, I think that you can, it's got the same samples in it. Mm -hmm. So you can, you're already familiar with their methodology or their workflow, number one. Number two, it's high quality stuff that's well respected in the industry mm -hmm. and you can upgrade from there. So there you go. Just, yeah, 250 bucks or whatever it costs. Yeah, I mean, Vienna's got great stuff. Um, I, I, I don't user stuff I mean it's just a, a personal personal choice nothing you know against their stuff they they tend to be um, recorded dry without mm -hmm. any kind of room sound um, and I'm, I'm I'm not personally I don't I'm not crazy I like contact I'm not crazy about their player and the same goes for East West's play engine not crazy about their player because it's uh, it's a real memory hog Oh, really? Even though, like, the libraries, I do have Hollywood strings, but mm -hmm. it just, they, they use up so much memory, and there's, I have other choices that do the same thing. And use less memory. Yeah. Okay. Um, do you have another one? Mm -hmm. um, when I mix woodland, woodwinds uh, with strings, uh, the woodwinds take over. I know it's a mix issue, but is there a general rule? Okay, when I mix woodwinds with strings, the woodwinds take over. Uh, is there a way to avoid that? Okay, probably what's happening is, is that it's an orchestration issue. Okay, so you, you just have some conflicts where the, the instruments are fighting mm -hmm. each other. Um, not everybody can play a high C. The piccolos are going to win. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> it's the only time, because they're small, it's the only time uh -huh. they ever get to win. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd look at the orchestration. That's why I recommend looking at concert works you know look at look at the masters and, and how they they write strings with woodwinds and how those parts fit together I mean it's the only way to do it you can certainly take the mixer and bring the woodwinds way down but then maybe you, you don't hear them at all so it's it's really it's just how you're orchestrating the notes they have to fit together it's like a puzzle they you know they have to fit. the same thing is true of a rock record or, or even a rap record um, it's picking like octaves that things are played in and the type of arrangement, you know, if everybody's playing the same note on the same beat all the time, it's really hard to mix that. But if you've got the guitar doing chicken picking on one side and on the other side, um, you've got a piano counterpart, I wouldn't do them in the same octave. Um, yeah. It'll be a lot easier to mix them. So the same thing is mm -hmm. true in your orchestration. Yeah. All right. Next question, please. Um, any thoughts on Vienna's new Synchron libraries? Um, the new v Vienna Ensemble Pro comes with a Synchron library with some basic instruments, and I did play with it. And it's very versatile in that you can uh, mix and match different instruments and build your own key switches, so you have different combinations of, of instruments playing uh, at a time. Um, it's just not my thing. I, I know a lot of people really like their, their stuff, but although as far as the Synchron player versus their old player, I, I, because I'm not a, a Vienna user, Either, I really right. can't identify the differences. Fair enough. Um, Chapters Publishing um, says, question, how do you research what music is needed by libraries? I've got an obvious answer, but Steve, take it away. <laughs> <laughs> um, watch TV. Um, I mean, you, if you want to know what music is used by, by a library, I mean, th there's a lot of different answers to that. I mean, one, you can go to the library, 
and 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 look at their see what shows that they they represent and kind of and then you can go to YouTube and watch those shows and see what kind of music they're using. Right, because some libraries specialize in dramatic, you know, procedural cop shows, and that the stuff that they're gonna you look for and license most of the time is going to be that type of music versus um, reality show stuff. Yeah, so like for me as an orchestral writer, I don't I do not do hip hop. So from, I'm not going to go to a library that specializes in hip hop or that's mm -hmm. all they do. It, and that's not going to work for me. So I, I'm not sure if that answers your question. Bria? Um, the track was great. Um, can Thank you hear you. it anywhere? No, only here. Watch this episode. <laughs> no. no, Bria played it off of my SoundCloud page, so just search my name and it's there. It's called uh, Fairy Tale Romance. It made me want to put on a Disney princess costume because I've got four daughters and now a granddaughter who comes over. We have a you know like a, a footlocker full of Disney princess costumes. Uh -huh. so it's not unusual at our house to see you know a, a male member of the family wearing something from a Disney princess. Uh -huh. Sure. Not that I've ever gone out in public dressed like uh -huh. that, just saying. Not that there's anything wrong with that. No, no. We're, LA's very liberal. <laughs> <laughs> Question for Steve. Any good online resources or books for starting to learn orchestration for instrumentals and cues? Ah, boy, that's, um, it's, it's, it's a vast subject. Um, if, if you don't know anything about orchestral instruments um, you do need to, even before you start with orchestration you need to learn about instrumentation and that's just about um, oh who's doing this orchestra I believe it's orchestral tools somebody will correct me if I'm wrong um, yes they will. David David Newman just is doing a series of videos where they're like five or six minutes long where they talk about the different instruments in the orchestra and they kind of talk about the type of things that they can play in the range, uh, and it's very educational. So that's a good place to start, just to identify what is an oboe, you know? What does an oboe sound like? It's a double reed instrument? What does that mean, you know? Uh, you know, I'm gonna make a recommendation. Bria's gonna laugh. You may laugh. Maybe everybody will laugh. Uh, the uh, Peter and the Wolf. Mm-hmm. Um, that record, when I was a kid, taught me everything I needed to. It, it was foundational in me understanding orchestral stuff. Sure, the the bassoon is the wolf. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it, it, literally, it introduces you, and every instrument is isolated at some point, mm -hmm. and it just makes so much sense. Yeah, because they they've they've used particular instruments to represent different characters yeah. in the story. Yeah, yeah. So that I, I loved it. <laughs> it made an impression. Here I am, you know. 50-some years later and still referencing it. Um, I thought I saw one more fly by, but I guess I'm not. Uh, do you have another one, Bria? Uh, someone asked how many people go to the road rally. The road rally generally has between 2,000 and I think our biggest crowd ever, I want to say, was 2,500 and heavy change, almost 2,600 people. Definitely over 2,000, so somewhere in between there. Um, but if you're asking that question, oh, the question was how many people come to the roadway. If you're asking that question because you're the kind of person who go, oh my gosh, you know, more than 2,000 people, I'm going to be lost in the sauce. It's going to be overwhelming. You won't be. Um, you just won't. Trust me. Trust Steve. 
he wouldn't lie to you. <laughs> Got another? Uh, that's all. You're out? All right. We well, have to give a book away. Oh, oh we do have to give a book oh, away. Pete, Peter Rahill asked, do oboes ride boxcars? Yes, they do. Do oboes ride? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and they carry a little stick with a stick little Stick with cartoon. a knapsack in it. Right. <laughs> All right, uh, we are going to give away a copy of Steve's book, not with uh, my post-it notes as tabs, because this is what I used the first time I had him on the show to discuss the book. But we are going to give away a copy that is tabless and post-it-less. Um, and how we're going to do that is you guys, when I say one, two, three, go, are going to type in plus ones. And if you've already got the book, don't please don't play the game. Um, and Bria is going to take her finger and go up and down the chat room. And she's going to pick one, but not by cheating like I just did. Um, so you ready? Set. One, two, three, go. And there those plus ones come. It's an interesting delay between the time you say go and when they start showing up. Well, the squirrels have to turn a little yeah, bit. Yeah, you know, a lot so. of stuff has to happen. <laughs> Crickets. <laughs> Listen to this applause. Oh, that's stadium applause. I swear it starts out with a couple of boos in there. Oh, <laughs> I listen to it. Oh no, Ooh. <laughs> that sounds like the the encore uh, request. Uh, right. Yeah. <laughs> Come back for more. I have one. Okay, Bria has a winner. I have Eddie Figueroa. Eddie Figueroa, you are today's winner. Yay, Eddie. Yeah, go Eddie. So here's what you do is email TaxiTV at Taxi.com and Bria will send you the book. It'll leave here in about 48 hours and I'll get Steve to autograph a copy for you uh, before he departs the building. I'm assuming Figueroa is spelled like I'm only going to write. I'm only going to write Eddie's Eddie. first name. Um, <laughs> All right. Dear Mr. Figueroa. Um, so I, I want to remind everybody. First of all, again, if you don't have this book, uh, it, it's on my short list. There are probably five books that I feel are must-haves. Uh, if you're a taxi member and you're doing film and TV music or songwriting, of course, Robin Frederick's books, this book, and Dean Crepain's books. Those books are essential. Everybody should have all of them. Um, I agree. Uh, it, it's like you don't need to go to college for four years if you've got Robin's two books, Dean's books, and this book. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it yeah, save the money on tuition. Right. I guess uh, I won't have any colleges sponsoring the road rally. <laughs> but a boom! Just kidding. I keep forgetting the camera's over there. I'm looking at the chat sure. room. Yeah. Um, with that, I'd like to thank you for coming all the way out here again because I know it's a schlep for you. And now you've yeah, no problem. It's driving fun. home. And uh, thank you, Steve Barden. I will see you uh, hopefully before the road rally, but if not, I will see you in yeah. four months. And Sounds wonderful. You guys, I will see you next week. Um, 
I don't know what next week's show is going to be, but I do know. Steve Barden, week three. <laughs> no, I actually, I think, um, I think I already booked over the weekend, now that I think of it, I think I booked Michael Lloyd, producer, multi-platinum, okay. multi, 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 like times 100, platinum record producer, Michael Lloyd, who's always lovely, charming, um, inspiring, and full of great information, will join us on next week's show. Until then, I bid you all, eeks. A fond farewell, and we'll see you again for another exciting episode of Taxi TV Live. Woo! Bye, you guys. <laughs>